Welcome back to the True Jody podcast. Today's guest is Richard Grannon. I did say that right, didn't you I? You did, yeah, yeah. Uh, you got a background in psychology yes, sir. and pivoted specifically in narcissism yeah. and narcissists. And I discovered you on Instagram and I was like hooked because so many things you say resonate with like people I've met in the past. Okay. Uh, hopefully not me, uh, but you can tell us a day if I'm a narcissist. But I guess a good place to start is kind of like what is a narcissist specifically? Because we've all got like traits mm. of narcissism mm. and hell, I, li- I mean, I work on camera, so obviously there's some of that in me. Mm. But how would you define a narcissist? Well, there is, I mean, there is such a thing as, as healthy narcissism and yeah, you mm. are supposed to have uh, narcissistic traits like mm. if all your narcissistic traits were taken away from you you would struggle to function in the world <laughs> so there isn't there's there's narcissism as they would talk about it clinically in a psychiatric context and then there's narcissism on the internet which basically means anybody who's upset you they're a narcissist <laughs> I'm going to run a poll actually on Instagram and on YouTube to see how many people who claim they understand narcissism know what the nine traits from the DSM are because I imagine most people don't. Mm. So narcissism is a response to a traumatic environment in childhood and it means that you completely give up on real reality because it's, it's too overwhelming, it's too painful. So the child chooses to live in delusion. So is one of the things we never talk about in narcissism. For a narcissist to be a narcissist, they need to have had a psychotic break with reality and they now need to live in an ongoing, continuous break with reality. People who've dealt with narcissistic personality types will recognize this because when you argue with them, they keep insisting on fantasy. So you're like, no, I know the dates, I know the times, I know what I said, I know what happened. (laughs) And you insist on that, and they insist on changing it back into their fantasy. And we'll be on the outside of this going, well, you're just fucking lying. I can't stop you from lying all the time. And yes, they are deliberately lying, and they are deliberately gaslighting the target, but they also live in a lie. Their life is a lie. So the way to think of this is, imagine you have a human being Uh, They were a small child once, an authentic, real, vulnerable small child. Things happened that they couldn't tolerate, so they built a shell around themselves. And inside of that shell, they split from pain for reality. And when they look through the shell, they never see reality as it is. It's always blurred. This shell is a filter. And they see on the inside of the cell a mirror that they've created, but not not a clear mirror, like a funhouse circus sort of a mirror that shows them what they choose to see in order to survive. So when you're arguing with a narcissist and, and, and they're clinging on stubbornly, so they have to be stubborn for it to be MPD, it's a rigid personality disorder, it's, it's because they're like um, holding on to a life raft. They're at sea, they're in crisis perpetually, they live their lives in crisis. That's why they go from one drama to the next, that's all they know. And their narcissistic delusion is the life raft they cling on to. So people come to me and say, can't you give them therapy? Can't you help them? I'm like, how? How am I going to convince a child to let go of a, of a survival strategy that they've been using since they were three or four years old? Wow. It's mad, isn't it? I've known multiple people have trauma as children. Yeah. And a lot of them still live in the real world. A lot of them accept that trauma. A lot of them, you know, eventually try and heal from it and, 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 and stare it, you know, in the face. I guess I wondered why these personality types pick this fake reality. 
Well, I can give you an answer that's... Is it a choice even? I don't know. Choice is a difficult word. Mm. So so now, now we're into the badlands of not just psychiatry, but psychoanalytic theory. We've got to go to Freud, we've got to go Jung. To make it easy for people watching so that they can walk away with something, like anybody who's teaching psychoanalytic theory would have a shit fit if they heard me say this. But broadly speaking, you know you have like a black sheep in the family. Mm -hmm. They can't do right for doing wrong. So if you're the black sheep, it doesn't matter what you do, you can't do right for doing wrong. Then you have golden child. They can't do wrong for doing right. So you could have like a brother and a sister raised together with two brothers in the same environment. One turns towards like hardcore codependency, fawn responding, mm -hmm. being servile. And the other one turns towards narcissistic tyranny. Why? Potentially, one potential answer for this would be the entitlement that was installed in them by a parent who's mentally ill. Because what, what, what was the environment that they were raised in that was so traumatic? They'd have had mentally ill parents. Splitting is an element of narcissism. You're either all good or you're all bad. Or there are parts of you I'll address as though one half of you is good and one half of you is bad. This is mentally ill. Uh, thinking, but it's mirrored in the children. So if the parent splits and puts, projects all of their, if they're mentally ill and weak, essentially, not emotionally mature, all the bad stuff in me that I don't like, that's going in you. You're the black sheep. All the good stuff that I do like, narcissistically, probably fantasy-based, it's going in you, the golden child. It's more likely that child's going to be able to... to Narcissism needs to function. It's, it's, a, it's a strategy. If you think like military or combat or you've got like MMA fighters here, they have a strategy that will work in one environment that might not in another environment. So there is evidence in the psychoanalytic theory land that some children try narcissism. They try to become narcissists, but it's beaten out of them. It has to work long enough for the child to take it through into adulthood. Okay, so this is a great point for uh, because I feel like in the way society is moving mm -hmm. in social media and how important social media has become to people's everyday lives, yeah. that reward system that you're describing, it's so there in, in social media now. If, if you are a narcissist, like we've seen, like I know people who are literally giving out you know, uh, advice on, on social media mm. and you see like these people pictures with these quotes that they're posting Th their lives their personal lives I know them mm. are a shit show <laughs> they, they don't even wouldn't, wouldn't you even say that's the norm like, yeah. the, like the people who actually are most aggressively online going you know be disciplined and yeah. clean up your damn room well they turn out to be drug addicts uh -huh. this was something that Jung noticed he said that, the, that he, he specifically cited men he said the more a man publicly talks about discipline and morality and all the rest of it the more likely he is personally to be in shadow activation and shadow possession so shadow is the disavowed parts of ourselves that we don't want to look at we don't want to see we push them down but if you do that they can come back and take you so the more somebody's performatively saying, oh, I have a morality, I have discipline, I have this and that, who's saying the more likely it is that their life will be, as you say, a fucking shit show. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and <laughs> it, 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 in, that, in that reward system that we've created of likes and, and clicks and all of this, mm. it, it, it gives more than ever, I would assume, um, narcissists a, a, a structure to win. And for this to continue as long as they needed it. A hundred percent. It's an economy, isn't it? Yeah. It's like an ecosystem and an economy. Cloud chasing. Cloud call, chasing. Call it, yeah. yeah, yeah. Which is profit in mm. that in that ecosystem, and it now translates to real profit. It's real money. You know, it's not like oh, you're just acquiring a bunch of digital likes. No, these people are making real money in the real world mm. through those digital likes. And yes, that environment rewards 
aggressive, psychopathic narcissism, obnoxious, exhibit, exhibitionist. What's the exhibitionist. word? Exhibitionist. Thank you. Yeah. Let me I never thought more. I'd know a word that you didn't, mate. Let I me tell drink, you. Let me drink some more coffee. <laughs> mm. And. and Mm. And, and going off, I mean, look, there's the extreme examples like Andrew Tate, for example, who, you know, uh, shouts about uh, old ways of living your life and men should be men. And meanwhile, this man is literally a pimp out here pimping out girls on a webcam, which is the complete opposite of the morality that he, like the, the hypocrisy within these people, yeah. it, 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 it's rife. And, and, and Tate is an extreme example, but I know people who are a lot cleverer than Tate is at disguising it. Mm. And they boast about, you know, they're great businessmen and they've achieved this, that, and the other. And the reality is, like, you know, as, as someone who's in the know, mm. I know that these people who claim to be this, that, and the other, they, they're talking shit. Yeah. And the actions of what they're... The, the, because they're clutching at trying to get these clicks, these likes, and this uh, reward system, mm. like, people with real fulfilment and self-worth, they don't really give a shit about all that. No. No, well, real fulfillment and self-worth is of no use to that economy. <laughs> so in a sense, like, what, I would, what I've been railing against for a while, um, my little soapbox, is consumer capitalism. And honestly, real love, authenticity and vulnerability is the enemy of consumer capitalism and is the enemy of the social media platforms. If you're in love with your girlfriend, you can have an amazing dopamine-releasing, serotonin-releasing day by taking a walk along the canal here and going and having a fucking sandwich in a little shop. That's useless to me. <laughs> I want you on my platforms. I want you striving, hurting, anxious that you're not getting likes, envious of others, aggressively competing with others. That's useful to me. Also, you won't buy anything. Bro. And it's it's created a world where it's the climbing of the ladder, no matter what. Like I will, yeah. if I've got to throw you under the bus to yep. to to get myself ahead, yep. I don't care. And um, what I would say, I'm not I'm not really in the the podcast podcast game, mm. but as somebody who consumes it as a as a, a customer from the outside looking in. Your game, I think, has gotten way nastier in the Ooh, last two years. So true, bro. It used to be a bunch of lads just chatting <laughs> and having a laugh, and now you, the whole tone, the stance, the positioning of it, and I understand it's capitalism. There's more money in it now than there ever was before. There's real clout. There's people who will be the leaders of countries in the future who are now social media influencers, I believe. They'll all do like a, Valen a Valensky type thing. We'll but, see people pivot into politics for sure from podcasting. Yeah. I've got a mate, yeah. good trigonometry. I'm looking uh, Constantine Kissing. Mm. And he's, uh, do you ever watch trigonometry? It's, it's, it's like a political, it's a much more political podcast, but brilliant guy. And I'm watching him and I'm like, I think this is a practice run for something else, and he's he's doing great at that. Well, we've that... seen the London Real guy who tried to become mayor of London, mm. and I mean, you're smirking there, but if we're talking about narcissism, there's a candidate. <laughs> you know what can I say? I've had my run-ins with him since like 2000. Oh, really? I, like, by the way, this yeah. I had no idea. No, 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 no. This I is mean, a genuine. But what does it mean if you say I've had a run-in with Brian Rose? Like, like <laughs> who, I, I, I've had my. Who hasn't? I had a little disagreement with him once, and and I found his whole switch up so strange. You disingenuous. Know. Yeah. Really disingenuous. Yeah, and, and the, really and super. The, he's nicknamed as the grifter who keeps on grifting now across the internet, and it. 
and and there's someone who could have, if if the narcissist in him mm. was under control, mm. he had something special at one. I mean, we're going off on a tangent, but he had something there with London Real, and his mate who was his best friend basically yes. was like uh, Nick, I think his name was. Yes. He was like he absolutely stabbed me in the back, got yes. me out the way, and just he couldn't keep himself under control and, and go for real happiness. It was more, more, more. I'm glad you brought that up because we, we can relate this straight back to what we're talking about with narcissistic personality disorder. Mm. Uh, Nick, yeah, the South African lad. Lovely guy from what I could tell. Lovely, mm. sincere. And you know what killed it? He went away, he took psychedelics, he came back to Brian post-enlightenment on psychedelics mm. and sat opposite Brian and said, I love you, I love you like a brother and showed him real authentic emotion. He was fucked. <laughs> you saw Brian's eyes like turn he turns yeah. to a reptile he was like well you're gone do you know what it is mate That's, it's an interesting point though because I've definitely felt like I've I've come at life in relationships especially in business mm. with an open heart mm. and it has done me no good <laughs> it is, it is <laughs> the amount of people who <laughs> fuck me over I'm like I feel like a whore at this point like yeah. it's unbelievable um, and yeah it Unfortunately, this reward system is is a big reason for that. I feel like because if there if there wasn't that, like I can use you to, to further myself, then there would be none of that backstabbing. Really, there would be no reason for it. But I guess no. that those people would then have gravitated into a different industry. Well, and that's that's where, like, as an outsider, I'm standing on the sidelines. I mean, it really. I can give multiple examples of this. Um, as being a guest on different podcasts, it was jolly. It was silly. It was like, come on, we'll have a, oh, here we go. We're going to have a chat. We'll talk about, and then it got super aggressive. The Elliot podcast scene, for example, I don't know how aware of it you are, mm -mm. but basically there was a whole thing over there with Joe Rogan is the king. Yes. But, but the minute Joe Rogan moved out of LA and yeah. into Texas, yes. all of the people who were left seemed to be like, okay, now who's the king? Mm. And he kept, uh, and the amount of infighting and bitching and, and like real serious oh, yeah. shit went on. Yeah, yeah. And these, I'm talking about 40, 50 year old people here. Yeah, yeah. It's embarrassing. And that's what power does man but there was a hundred million dollars on the table there you and, go. and you know fucking a hundred million you you must have seen it in business yourself forget a hundred million what will people do for 50 grand yeah i mean they will do horrible things mm. to each other for well 50 grand way less than that yeah. i mean around liverpool and that people do the worst things a human being could do for far less money than that for some people the 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 hundred million and that level of fame it's almost like some personalities shouldn't be in contact with that kind of money and that kind of fame because it just warps them completely. Yeah, they can't and control themselves. Not at all, not at all. So that's the narcissistic delusion. So as I think the point that you were sort of making is like, some people may be a sort of latent half narcissist not yet fully formed, mm. then they're exposed to their social media fame economy. Mm bang, it just destroys them. And they go full narcissist at that point. And, and I must admit, I, I definitely had a moment where I felt like I'm slipping away here. Yeah. Like when, when, when a kid from Newcastle gets more money than he ever expected to, yeah, yeah. I was indulgent and, and there was not a, a lot of self-control. It was, let me buy this car I don't need. Let me mm. spend money on shit. Mm -hmm. And I had to have a, a humbling yeah. And I really did have a humbling, and but, and I'm so grateful for that because it helped me snap out of that road I was going down. And that isn't me. Were you going to show up on yachts with your nunchaku, lines of coke, and bro, it was embarrassing, man. <laughs> I look back at some pictures of myself, and I genuinely hate what I'm looking at. I'm like, you fucking prat. Uh, but, but but that's what you get rewarded for. 
Absolutely. So there's a point you made before, like, so you mentioned authenticity. If me and you want to become the top level social media influencers, deep conversations about vulnerability and authenticity ain't going to get us there. It's yachts, it's girls in thongs, it's being the obnoxious prick who's like, what colour's your Lambo? And the people who suck those people off and... and it's embarrassing. They're, they're, they're more embarrassing, actually. I think yeah. I, I find the friendship groups around those people the most embarrassing because you're the reason that this narcissist mm. has not been able to even have a prayer of waking up because you're positively reinforcing all of this crap. A hundred percent. And and I mean, it, it it usually takes me longer to get to that point. Like what you're talking about is what the real pandemic is it's not a pandemic of narcissism it's a pandemic of indulgence they say that like at the moment the most recent research i looked at six percent of the population of males have full-blown clinical mpd it's quite high four percent of females how is that happening how are we the rest of the tribe allowing some of our tribal members four out of a hundred to act like absolute assholes because we only define narcissistic personality disorder by the social interactions. You have to behave very badly to the people around you. You're almost on a sliding scale of uh, psychopathy at that point. Okay. And it's us that's indulging them. Why do we do that? There were, we, we didn't always. Mm. If we were in a smaller tribal situation, if somebody was being a real dick and not working and not hunting and stealing your hunt, he just wouldn't come back from a hunt, wouldn't they? We'd go fishing and then suddenly he'd fall in the river. Social media brings comparison, and comparison is the thief of, of joy, as they say, mm -hmm. right? So we're, we're, a lot of people feel inferior, yeah. and, and they're looking at these people who are winning, yes. as they say, yes. and it, they're aspiring to have that one day. So even though, because when you've never had the money, it, it feels like the be-all and end-all, mm. and that's why I was so drawn to the car and the thing that I've never had before. Once you get in it, I mean, it really is, I mean, after the first few times, it's anticlimactic. You realise, what the fuck have I done here? Mm. But you have to kind of experience that yeah. to realise it is not what people make it out to be, and yeah. that happiness, as you say, is going down and getting a sandwich with your lass and having a nice day. Yep. That's actually true happiness. The rest of it, it's, it's just... What car you're driving is really irrelevant at that moment. It's like, like you say, I mean, it's just you sat on your ass in yeah. a fucking car going somewhere. Yeah. The whole point of the rest of it is the reactions you get from other people. That's exactly right, by the way. So that's the fucking drug. That's and that's what you pay for. Absolutely. Like you can drive a nice second-hand BMW for about twenty-five grand. You don't need a Lambo for. But the point, million. point for me, what you've just really nailed into a memory of mine was. If I was driving that lovely car mm. down a country road with no one on the country road, it would be nice. Mm. But I wouldn't be getting that dopamine fucking flooding into the brain. But when I was in Newcastle and I knew people were going, there he is, yeah. that, I, I got off on that. Yes. And, and I'm ashamed of saying that, to be honest, but it's the reality of it. I really it did is. enjoy it because in my head, I was still that poor kid showing everyone, yeah. look at me now. Yeah. But really, like, they didn't care. All right, they, they cared for a second and then they went back to their life and didn't give a fuck. But, like, your, but your brain, our dumb brains, because of the way we've evolved, still give us the reward. Yeah. And it's whether you fall prey to the trick, you're going, wow, this is really good, I'm the man. <laughs> or, do, or do you have the moment of reflection to be like, ah, you might not be the You might just be a prick in a loud car. Genuinely, that is exactly what I was. <laughs> and, and, and mate, you've absolutely fucking nailed it. Um, and, and unfortunately... Yeah, that is what everyone seems to be chasing, though.
that's the goal for a lot of people out there. It's really sad. I was I was just saying I'm moving to to uh, Dubai. I'm moving the business, everything over there. And there's a really really strong narcissistic, materialistic culture there. There's even an area I think it's called JBR where everybody goes to drive their Ferraris, their Lambos, all in the, and they just clog it up with traffic on a Friday Saturday night. And all it is is people just looking at each other in different cars, and that's that's the that's the night out. That's the fun. How stupid are we as, as human animals to think that that's a good use of time? What you mentioned before about having the experience, though, that's what, if you're going to talk like spirituality and real emotional growth, that's transcendence. It's not to avoid it. It's to make the money, buy the car, sit in it, fart in it and go this is the same as farting in a Vauxhall accident it's the same it doesn't fly over traffic well this is the funny thing that happened the other day is I had had an issue with my car got an insurance uh, car and Mm. it was one of the worst cars I've ever driven in my life right (laughs) it was a Toyota but it was like the lowest version of a Toyota I've ever fucking driven in Mm. and it had been God knows how many years since I'd driven in a car like that since I was 18 Mm. And and I actually liked it yeah. And I actually thought, you know what? Here's me <laughs> grafting my balls off yeah. to try and, you know, show people. Yeah. And now I'm back in this car, I'm like, God, what the fuck have I been doing? Like, yeah, yeah. you know, it just made us laugh because I was like, this is perfectly good. And and uh, one thing, uh, just to pivot into relationships with a narcissist, because yeah. I find this fascinating because... I. I've definitely witnessed them, and and um, and and I'm. I wouldn't necessarily say I'd been in a relationship with a narcissist, but definitely felt not heard, not listened to, and and been in that scenario that you told before about mm. you're trying to use logic against someone who's really in a fantasy world. So, yeah. can you describe what what that side of what you've learned about is like? So, uh, for anybody who is in a relationship with a narcissist or they suspect they are, the the jump-off point that I would always say is like, remember that there's no such thing as equal with a narcissist. Their sense of what equal is, they hate horizontal. They hate adult-to-adult communication. That's no good. They're a kind of a god in their own universe. So in transactional analysis terms, they don't do adult-adult vulnerable communication. They do parent-child communication. So they're top-down. So they're very hierarchical. And for them, vertical and standing over you, that's equal. And when you shift it and you're like, hang on a fuck, wait a sec. No, it'll be more equal if we're both doing, they're like, no, no, they get stressed, they get angry. You can actually inflict narcissistic injury, which induces their narcissistic rage, which means they'll be punishing you in a disproportionate and extremely hostile way for a long time, just by asking for decent human behavior. Just by you asking them to be a reasonable adult to calm down, to come, you know, to come and have a chat, to go to counselling, to fix the problem, you'll induce narcissistic injury. Is one of the things that they do threatening? Oh, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's one of the nine traits from the DSM. Mm. It's extremely bullying and threatening behaviour. Yeah. In, in, in complex post-traumatic stress disorder terms, we call this, uh, the narcissistic personality disorder is a fight-fawn response. So their way in, of acting in the world is to bully love out of people. Mm. They'll dra- they'll, they're emotional terrorists. They're gone to the head, love me or else. But not just love me, worship me submit to me or else so that yeah bullying if you felt bullied if you're not in a relationship with an MPD you're in a narcissistically I've definitely I've definitely been in a situation before where someone's made threats yeah. when I wasn't um, agreeing yeah. to you know whatever that the, the issue was at the time and yeah. I remember feeling 
uh, like something was hanging over me. Yeah. You know, like yeah. uh, it's not, it's certainly not pleasant. No. Um, and in terms of it, how that, how does that differ from male to female? Because obviously, in well, I mean, not not necessarily nowadays, but like stereotypically, men are the strong one, women are the you know the soft feminine one. And, and you know how how does this come out of them in different ways? Well, men and women are biologically different. Mm-hmm. For sure, we're stronger. I mean, like, we'll have less of that on this. Show. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I've come on one of these male feminist. Podcasts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the, the the threat level of course, is is different. And um, it's very, very hard within a psychoanalytic theory, within psychiatry and psychotherapy to for us to really parse which parts of these things are cultural and which parts of these are biological, like what's learned and what's innate. So, of course, narcissistic abuse being played out by a man would be different to a woman. If a man goes to the point of physical violence, we'll then say this is psychopathic and narcissistic abuse Mm. because he could be arrested for it, which means that's psychopathy. With female narcissistic abuse, it's probably going to be harder to tell so if I if you if you come over here now and grab me and rip my shirt and go, fucking do as you fucking told or smash it, even if you don't punch me, if we catch it on camera, it's obvious I'm under threat. Mm. If a woman says to me, I say to a woman, I'm going to go and see my family now, and she says, Yeah, go on then, and I get this feeling like, Oh fuck, yeah, go on, go yeah, go see your family like you do, mm-hmm. you bastard. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't say you bastard, and you just feel it. Who are you going to tell? Well, I told my girlfriend I was coming to see you, and do you know what she said to me? Go on then. Well, fine. What's the problem? It's the meta communication is the way that they'll is it because, and this isn't me having a pop at women. It's just what would I do if I was in an environment surrounded by uh, people who were a third heavier than me and a third stronger than me, and they could potentially punch me in the face. Well, I'm not going to box them, am I? <laughs> like, oh, I'll be a Brazilian jiu-jitsu expert. No, I have to work psychologically. I have to work emotionally. We have to work on reputation. You have to use the tools that you've got. Yeah, 100%. And I think that's one thing that, um, and I'm certainly, uh, I want to give balance to a situation here because men and, men and women are under very different kinds of threats, I feel like, and that's so, sort of a, a subtlety that seems to be glossed over in society now because yeah. women don't feel safe um, you know, we've got women going missing. There's that yeah. girl who's just gone missing. We see, and and with men, obviously by nature, they are more violent. Mm. So um, it is a lot easier to spot when a when a woman is in a, a traumatic relationship because mm. there will be those signs that are more uh, obvious. They leave physical marks. Men will lash out. Yeah. But women, if there's one thing that I've witnessed. Uh, in in friends' relationships is that level of psychological uh, bullying that men are enduring out there right now that isn't really spoken about because men don't want to admit, you know, they feel like a pussy, they feel Mm. like a little bitch Mm. and um, they're being tortured to an extent on on a daily basis, some of these guys. Mm. And uh, it's very hard to to speak out, but also for other people to notice it. Yes, and like, okay, we've, we've gone there, so, so let's, be, let's be fully inclusive. There are men who also psychologically torture women. We call this like covert or vulnerable narcissism. Okay. Covert vulnerable narcissism could mm-hmm. go that way. They, they just prefer that. 
Um, that's their preferred. It makes them feel more powerful than if mm. they have to be physically threatening. You can have in female-female relationships. You can have covert and vulnerable abuse, and you can have psychopathic abuse in male-male relationships. Mm. And by covert, you mean like cleverly, sort of yeah. hidden, where you're, you're abusive, but you're not doing it to a degree where people can put the finger on you. Exactly, you're seen as difficult rather than abusive. exactly. And we're, we're into the realms now where. Within psychiatry, they'll argue about the categories because why is it covert? Well, it's to distinguish you from what we call the grandiose classic narcissist. Uh-huh. Grandiose classic narcissist turns up like Patrick Bateman, red Ferrari, super handsome guy, mm-hmm. extremely promiscuous, no empathy, very, very cruel, so on and so forth. Now, with the categories, they're sort of saying that's probably a psychopath. So it's all, and then, and then we've some people in the community are saying when we talk about narcissism, it's all on a spectrum of covert narcissism. Mm-hmm. It's all compensatory because if you feel very strong, you would behave psychopathically, and you can afford to behave psychopathically. If your position is a little weaker and you have to be more manipulative, you have to use uh, narcissism. So yes, like basically, in answer to your question, yes, it it is that. And there are men out there who are suffering the way that women do, just under psychological abuse. The difference as recipients, as a man who's been in narcissistic abusive relationships, is, yeah, it's much harder. I'm not equipped to be like, oh, I'll go and tell my male friends, or I'll go to a counselor and say, hey, I feel really unseen. Men don't God. talk like that. Men don't talk like that. We don't no have way. the fucking vocabulary. Yeah. I had to learn it over years and be like, well, what does it mean if you're unseen? Well, actually, it's very painful mm-hmm. because, yes, I'm a man and there's an adult male side of me that really isn't bothered whether I'm seen or not, but there's also a child inside of me. When we're in... Int- so you mentioned romance before. Once we're in romantic relationships, all your armour is off and you become two children together, which is right, which is good. It's also very dangerous because your boundaries are down, abuse can seep into that that shared space. But of course, your needs as a child then, as your inner child comes out, go up. You do need to be seen. You don't want to be humiliated. You don't want it really hurt. Like, if I humiliate you in public, you'll be like, oh, he's a bit of a prick. Never, never mind. I doubt you would. it would last more than three hours. You'd be like, oh, what a bell end, and then you'd have a drink and you'd forget about it. If your girlfriend who you trust does that, you go into a spiral, it could last like five or six days. Why did she do that? Does she really love me? Can I really trust her? The, the gamble is that much higher. You're risking so much more. You've placed so much more on that relationship. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at you, I'm kind of talking to the men watching. Don't feel ashamed if you feel a massive amount of anxiety when you're in this situation with a woman who has not done anything awful to you that you can go to the police with, but maybe she humiliated you or maybe she devalued your needs and you'd be like, whoa, why am I so weak? Think about the gamble. How much have you, how much have you invested? How much have you staked on this one relationship? What's the pain and the cost if it breaks down tomorrow? If it's high, no wonder you're anxious. You have a right to be anxious. You have a right to be frightened. And as a man, we are at a significant disadvantage when it comes to uh, legally separating if you're in a marriage, for example, because you will get butt-fucked in prison. Uh, sorry, in court. <laughs> Uh, I'll say that one more time. <laughs> and, uh, Was that a Freudian slip there, mate? <laughs> I really want to leave it in. Okay, people understand what I'm saying is that you will get both fucked in court. Like men, men don't have the same rights as women if there's children involved and all of that. Yeah. And, and that's why 
in those relationships, uh, men, they don't have the same power as when they first met that woman. You know what I mean? As things change. And, um, and when women become aware of that, and if you're with someone who is that way inclined to use things in that nasty way, mm. you're you are going to feel that cloud above your head like oh god like you know how do we navigate this scenario mm-hmm. and that's when men do spiral from what i can tell 100% well i mean i, I coach uh, and i work with a 90% female audience and i've been doing this for 10 years so i have the i really have a much much better understanding of the female perspective now and what i would say is for the men um, if you think you're just going to jump on the mats with a BJJ third degree black belt and emotional manipulation because you have a bit of banter with your mates at the pub, she's going to snap something off you. <laughs> that's such a great way of describing it, and, by the way. And you'll never recover. Yeah. That's, that's what I went through. Because I was like, oh, I have a degree in psychology. Let's see what you got. <laughs> and I was like, wow, that hurt. And it yeah. took me years to get over it. And this, she wasn't even really trying. It was her natural, spontaneous... Just because from the age of 12, 13, women in se- uh, young girls in secondary school, we have a problem with a girl in my family, I love her, but she's, she's 15. And I take her boxing, I take her to do weights. She's tough, man. Oh. She's hard going. But like you said, you use the tools that you have. So young men, we play fight, we wrestle. What's she doing? She's clawing everybody psychologically. She's her, mo- her, her mother, the people in her family, because... That's her practicing for the real world. So she's developing her teeth and her claws now, but it's psychological. So you think you're... I mean, imagine we jump in the, the ring with somebody the same age as us who's been doing Muay Thai since they're six, just every day, every day, every day, banging out the kicks, they're banging out the punches. Westerners, we never catch up. So to on that, I, I feel like when I had some of my relationships when I was younger... Mm. I was at a bit of a disadvantage because I'd been raised by a single mother who loved me, doted on me, devoted to me, Mm -hmm. was just soft and gentle and kind. And then I went and met women. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I'm like... See the way he said that? Yeah. Women. (laughs) You know? And I'm like, oh, like... And and look, I'm not saying I was a perfect guy by any means, you know, but, but... I had an expectation because of what I was conditioned to. Yes. Whereas I was at a major disadvantage in this game because I didn't even know there was a game about to be played. Everyone, to be fair, was going to be a step down in my head from, from that, but, sure. but some were a cliff drop, <laughs> right? And, and for that reason, so when I'm in there with a manipulator yeah. who has been raised by people who don't give a fuck, yeah. like no love, you know? So we're coming at it from angles and I'm like, oh no, like this is not how life is. And, and my dad described it as this, and I'm going to use this example of, he, he, we were sitting in the bedroom, uh, in the living room once and he was like, you see that carpet? Relationships are like that carpet and you start off with kind of like 50% each yeah. and you start trading and as the relationship goes on one person will be gaining more ground you know what I mean I was not aware that this was even a thing I'm like (laughs) let me just be a nice guy not that I was smothering them with love nice but I was I was just coming in it with good intentions and there was times where I was again wrapped up with a strangulation around my neck with Brazilian Jiu Jitsu style not really understanding oh shit we're playing this game are we (laughs) and before I knew it like, because that's why my dad was saying things to me where I was like, I, I rekindled sort of my relationship with him. He was mm-hmm. like, 
don't make them apologize. You'll regret it. Yeah. They'll make you regret it. Yeah. You know, like, because he was with a woman who was conditioning him to that. And I was like, fuck me. Uh, you know, I was learning, I learned a lot in that, yeah, in yeah, those yeah. early years, you know what I mean? And not necessarily good stuff. What, what, what sort of age were you when you started learning this stuff? Um, I remember having a moment where I was in a relationship in my sort of early 20s. Mm. And I remember thinking, I was being lied to. <laughs> I was being lied to about reasons why I can't go to the gym or reasons why I can't do what I enjoy and be out with the lads. And, mm. and I was being, and I realized I'm being conditioned yeah. here yeah. by someone who wants me to do what they want to do and not for me to just be happy, yeah. you know? And as time went by... I remember thinking, if I don't start fighting back in this relationship, I'm going to lose who I am. Yeah. And that's me. Like, I'm, people look at me like big, strong, alpha male, confident guy. Yeah. I was in a situation where through, through time yeah. and consistency, yeah. I was ground down into a shadow yeah. of the man I was, confident, outgoing, everyone knows me, Jack the Lad, mm. to, like... Asking if I can go for a drink. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh. No. But I've lived it, so bro, I, know, I know what it's like. Bro, you laugh at me, because it was fucking ridiculous. And, and that shit happens you know, to men out there, where we're like, we catch ourselves one day, and it's like, when the fuck did this happen? And that was where I thought, you know what, like, if I don't start telling you yeah. to fuck off, yeah, yeah. and I'll do what I want... I ain't gonna come back from this and I'll be, you, you know, like, and I remember being in a relationship, I'm, I'm really confessing now. I remember being in a relationship with one girl <clears throat> and she was talking to me like a piece of shit. Yeah. And I had this moment and I'd met her parents and I noticed that her, um, her mother would talk to her father like a piece of crap. Mm. And her father, they, uh, they had um, a, a couple, like, a, a, like three kids. And he was really nice guy. And I grew up with my dad barely being there and, you know, Papa was a rolling stone. And I'm like, you know, your dad's actually, like, a great guy. Mm. And you guys don't talk to him the way you should. Like, provider, you guys have never wanted for anything, paid your university mm. fees. Like, you got everything that I didn't necessarily get. You know mm. what I mean? Mm. Um, and, and she started giving me that same attitude that her mother gave her dad. And I remember, like, being, like, a couple of weeks went by and I was like, Whoa! Yeah, I see where this is going. I seen this unappreciated man in the corner, yep. just getting his little guitar time in when he could. Just the, the only time he's ever fucking happy was when he was alone with his guitar. <laughs> and I'm like, bro, that ain't gonna be me. Yeah, I want to be spoken to with respect or not his, at his all. His balls on top of the refrigerator. Bro. <laughs> he's playing his and guitar. And I felt so sorry for this poor little man. I'm like, you're a lovely guy, and yeah. no one respects you. You know why? Yeah. Because you haven't fought. Yeah, yeah. And there was a point where, and like many men do, mm. he thought it was easier when he was in his 20s or 30s mm. to say, yes, dear. Yeah. But you know what that yes, dear was to give him an easy life? Yeah. It ended his life. Yeah, yeah. His, any chance of any self-worth and happiness was yeah. gone there because he just handed his ball sack over. Uh, 100%. 100%. Sorry, I'm off my soapbox. No, it's okay. It's okay. Um, there's a little bit you need to get out there. Yeah. <laughs> Free therapy. Sharing, scaring. Free, free, free therapy. <laughs> I, I, uh, I was laughing because I was just flashing, as you were talking, flashing back to my teens, you know, mm. like, I was at a shit family life. Eventually my dad ends up in prison for what he was doing with his, with his family. But 
I I dissociated. I went into sci-fi books and fucking sword and sorcery novels and mm. magic, LSD, Buddhism, Sufism. I was a little mystical kid, proper little hippie. And then I'd get the same thing, like in relationships. I'd, I'd do okay with with girls and people like, oh, girls really like you. And I'm like, yeah, 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 it's great. And I'd just be thinking, it's all good, it's all good. And then I'd be in these scenarios and these arguments and I'm like, I don't even know what we're arguing. Like, yeah. what, what are you trying to do? I don't, and it would slip past me for a couple of years because I just didn't get it. I just let them do, you couldn't cheat on me. You couldn't lie to me because I didn't care. I wasn't, I was hardly in this world pra- practically. And then slowly when I got my degree and I got invested in money and running a business and I started to become material, then it was a problem. Then, it, then I was like, hang, hang on a second. I'm getting out of here. But I started way behind, way, way behind. I turn 45 in two weeks. I think I'm just about getting it. I think I'm just about getting it. Seriously. Mm. Like, it's, it's, not, it's not easy to begin with. There's a lot that men need to learn. There's a lot of software upgrades we need to get that we just don't get. And the culture that we've created as, hu- as human beings right now just doesn't support that. It doesn't support... You mean the, the, the learning of men to become more um, able to uh, understand the language and the manipulation that they can be subjected to? 100%. Yeah, because we're, we're just not on their level. Women are, are leaps and bounds ahead because they talk so much to each other. Like, again, I've, I've had like... So few conversations with my boys about like when they when like the real shit that goes on behind closed doors. Yeah, like well, how can you? Yeah, it's embarrassing, yeah. right? Because the stuff you've let women say to you that you would never want anybody to know. The yeah. stuff that you've you've let a girl know. You've been in emotional states where you've been crying and begging, and who are you gonna like? Who are you gonna tell? Yeah, you'll take that to the grave as a man. Oh. So like shame, guilt, all of that locks us up that's a further thing that can start to happen. Before anybody gets too comfortable with this and starts thinking it's just like a red pill manosphere conversation, I actually think there's a, there's a good, and all men need to understand this, women do, act, and historically always have had, women are more important than men because they produce life. The only thing that men can do is take life. They say the oldest uh, job in the world is prostitution, right? Well, the oldest job for men in the world is being a killer. I can pay you, I can give you a bead, and you can go and kill my enemy for me. So you have soldiers and prostitutes. At our most basic, at our most barbaric, that's what we are. We kill, women can give life. They choose. They're the gatekeepers of future uh, generations. I had this revelation once. I was watching an alpha male lion, not in real life, on a YouTube video, on a rock, and the lionesses around him decided on a dime, collectively, he was done being an alpha male, and they fucking went for him. That lion screamed in pain as they tried to bite his nuts off. You know the uh, the tendons in the legs of a lion? They're, they're sinking their teeth into that to get him off the rock. The other lions, the male lions, run over and I think, oh, they're going to finish him off now. No, to save him. <laughs> the other male lions who want his position come over and save him because these lionesses are like, your time is fucking done. That shocked me. I laughed when I saw it. And it, it, the, the lion's screaming and it's clear distress. Like, he's, it's a fucking lion. He was the alpha lion. The females got rid of him in six or seven minutes. And he was broken. He knew he was done. He wasn't going to fight back. He wasn't going to... And I thought, why is that, that like that? Those lionesses, it's not... 
oh, you're a good guy, or you've tried really hard, Mr. Lion. It's you are not the strongest option, and we are genetically programmed. We have to only let the strongest option through. Mate, you're not it. Sorry about that. Sorry and, it hurts your feelings. You know, this is a fan, uh, fantastic point that you're making because actually the more I'm learning right now about the dating game mm -hmm. is that because of that, mm. And because of social media, I feel partly that's my own opinion, is that the, the statistics vary, but apparently like 80% of women mm. are only trying to fuck 20% of men. Yes, I heard that on uh, Chris Williams. Chris is a big yeah, guy who I'm listening to a lot yeah. right now. Shout out to him. Love the guy. I could talk to him a lot. But um, but also there's a lot of people perpetuating that statistic as well. Mm. And there's a lot of data actually backing it up mm -mm. where... And, and part of this problem, I think, is social media as well, because we're getting to see the pecking order. It's right there. Like, yes. you know, in fucking World War Two, yeah. you know, you meet a nice guy, oh, yeah, cool. You don't really have the gauge, the the the, the scale to look at the way you do on Instagram recommended. Yep. Now, you know, the girl I thought had a big butt five years ago, mm. I now see bigger butts every day. Like, mm. you know, and it's changing my brain here to yeah. come accustomed to a certain thing. And I'm sure yep. women are getting uh, changed as well by that yeah yeah by bigger yachts or... yeah yeah <laughs> fucking bigger a lot of things probably uh, and, and 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 that is human nature and, yeah. and the, the nature of our species is to try and seek out the, the not necessarily always the athletically strongest but the strongest of of the species in terms of what they can provide and yes etc uh, etc et that, that's that's another thing that that i think men need to catch up on everybody needs to catch up on like mm. obviously there's there's two men talking here, but it's not a women are bad, men are good thing. It's a competition thing. Absolutely. So here's something that I'll say on behalf of women, and I don't know how women have let men get away with this. We have a thing called a gold digger, right? So a woman who only wants a man who has good resources, she's called a gold digger, and we allow that. What do you call a man who only dates beautiful women? He should be called a beauty digger or a youth digger or why? Why, why do we get away? I mean, Leonardo DiCaprio's getting a little bit of shit for it. Yes, now. they'll probably find a name for him. They'll probably find. <laughs> He's a name for really him. taking the piss. This guy's forty nine going out with nineteen year olds. Jesus, <laughs> he, he just doesn't give a fuck. Yeah. But I think like we have to start having a more honest and open conversation about the savagery within us all, the savagery within me, the savagery within you. It's in it's in women. We are tough. I mean, what we have gone through to get here, so there's eight million of us with artificial lights and mm. calories everywhere in multiple different flavors, we have been through fucking hell and back. There is a savagery to us. Like, yes. I, so I, I, my thing now is like, don't hate women for wanting high-resource men. And, and don't hate men for wanting what they want in women. Why is it like this? Because large, I have a, a quite a famous geneticist in the family, a published geneticist, and I chat about to her about this a lot. Largely speaking, your looks as a child come from your mum, but your intelligence and your resourcefulness come from your dad. So women are going to be looking for somebody who means that their children will survive. It's all genetics. We're looking for a healthy, good-looking woman so that the children survive, so that our DNA passes on. It's not conscious. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to like bypass a really good soul, but she's not that good looking. I always say to people like, it's not charity. This is survival. This is my DNA. Of course I'm going to get in the competition. And I think this is where men fall behind is 
we're not trained to compete. We're not trained to think of it as being a competitive space. It's like, if I'm a nice guy, because you watch a romantic comedy and you watch a Disney movie and you talk to your mum, that's what most of us did. That's how most of us grew up. No, if I'm a nice guy and I do good things, at the end of it, I'll be rewarded with a good girl. Good fucking luck with that. And, and on to your point, going back to Chris's statistical work, is that more men than ever mm. are reporting long time, well, I think it's like a year without having sex. Yes. More men than ever are going without sex. Yes. Uh, for, but what's happening is at the top end, yeah. those men yes. be fucking more than anyone. Yes, like, I know, I know. Yeah, it's, it's a very busy schedule. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's the crazy thing, bro, is like, yeah. so you, you, it's more lopsided than it's ever been because now the ability to connect with more people through social media is right yeah. there. So these men can go and DM as many girls as they want, get as many girls as they want, their schedule's packed and then you've got the normal guys out there who and and these women to be fair to them are looking at that high value man and thinking mm. here is an opportunity not realizing mm. you're, you're that ain't the guy but yeah. but because genetics are imploring them to go for the high value man yes. they, they they're not able to sort of to think logically about what options he's got yes. because he kind of is the bell of the ball now Yes. This this man in question that I'm yes. creating, yeah, yeah, and and these women who are drawn to him, unfortunately, you're probably not going to be the one he chooses. So the guys who you're looking at, thinking, yeah, he's not really that. That's probably where you're actually going to end up, ironically, well, after being. It, and it, that cuts both ways. I choose yeah. like. I'm 45, I choose a really hot 26-year-old. Do you think it's going to work out well for me? Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. This girl with tons of options mm. in, the, in the peak of her youth and the mm. peak of her attractiveness, yeah, she may have a little bit of an attitude problem sometimes. Mm. And I, I, I've actually, to, just to this point, I've stayed friends in the last five years, thankfully with ex-girlfriends, which I'm really grateful for because I get great data from them. Oh, I really? I get the inside track. So an ex-girlfriend of mine, she showed me two guys that she's involved with. She's a good-looking girl. She has choice. And she's, I joke with her about this. She's mainly, there's one guy is beautiful. This is a very good-looking guy by any standards. He's athletic. He easily could be a model. He doesn't keep her awake at night. He's not the one that she's obsessed with. There's this other dude. God bless him. He's <laughs> Look, if you put these two men together, you as a man, because we, we judge on looks predominantly, you'd be like, obviously the Chad, not oh. this scrawny dude who looks like a chicken. Uh. Because of the is his personality, his status in the world, his access to resources. She even told me it's his connection to other people. She's like, I, I know it's not logical, but this is what I want. This is what, or rather, this is what obsesses me. And the older she gets, the more that will appeal, for that's sure. What, that's what she said. Yeah. What she said. She said, the 24-year-old me would have chosen the super hot Chad. Of course. But now she's looking at 27, 28. She's like, no, this is... The, and, and I'm like, but is this spontaneous? Or do you have to convince yourself to be sexually attracted to him? She said, nope. I am more sexually attracted to him. My body is telling me to breed with that man. Wow. And we, we laugh about it. I've sent her screenshots. I'm like, so side by side, are you still saying yeah. what are you saying now? Here's him with the shirt <laughs> off on his Instagram. Here's the Chad with the What are you saying? She's like, I can't help this. And she's like laughing. And I think I in, in London, the thing I learned from London, basically, because in Newcastle, people still settle down earlier, I would say. Yeah. Uh, but in London, it's, you know, people tend not to settle down until they're like 30 to 40 or whatever. Yeah. Uh, is even the men, I feel, are, are also taking it on board 
that now because they're being conditioned a little bit as well. Mm -hmm. So maybe not so much on a genetic level, but men are also interested more in status now and what women can do. Well, uh, yeah, without getting myself in trouble, I I suspect that's because the gender roles are just morphing. Mate, so true. Yeah, like men are becoming women, women are becoming men. I mean, becoming. London was the nexus point for me. I first saw this, the last time I lived in London was the last time I lived in London. I I just can't tolerate it Mm -hmm. here. But the dating scene there, back in 2013, you'd see that. Women acting like fellas and fellas acting like women. That's from me from Liverpool. I was Mm. just like, what are you all doing down here? Uh, Why is everything upside down? So, yeah. And and, and I guess it's because women in London, uh, you know, the, the financial situation is... Is, is now w- women are kind of fucked, and I feel for them in that sense. Yeah, yeah. In, in London, because they, they're doing, they're fucked because of their own success. Yeah, yeah. They've gotten to a point where they're earning such a good wage, and they're so intelligent, and they've done so well. But women don't want to date down financially. They want to, they, so they want to date up. But but the men don't give a fuck. Men who are earning above them, they're like, I just want a hot chick who's going to look after yep. me and be nice to me. Yep. They, I don't give a fuck about what you're earning generally. And women do care. Yeah, they do. Uh-huh. 100%. Like, I, you know, I've got ex-girlfriends I'm still friends with. I have a lot of women. I like to, I like to, to talk to women to get, you know, to of find course, out. Man. Like, and uh, they'll say to me, okay, I've seen you do this YouTube video and I've seen you do the rant I just sort of did now. What's, what's the solution for me? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I, I, don't, I don't know what to tell you yeah. because we can't issue individual solutions for a societal problem. Mm-hmm. You know, that 80-20 thing that the, the Chris Williams cited. I, I don't think it's 80-20. I, I, like, I did uh, nightclub security again last year because I just wanted to go back on the door and just reconnect with my mates and stuff. It's not 80-20. You're talking like 95-5. Seriously. There's not 20% of men who are really... I think the perception is they do well with women. So I know a lot of guys, there's a perception there is, but actually taking girls home and actually it's 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 a fraction of that my that's my that's my opinion mm. that's my opinion it's actually worse and, than the statistics yeah, indicate yeah that makes sense because the attention that like i kind of felt like i relived my early 20s when you in terms of attention when i became successful at what and what age did you become successful with well you? i'd say like 30 for example and you noticed at 30 you were like hey i'm hot again yeah yeah, yeah. it was like a <laughs> Oh, did I get a facelift? I, I, I put, no, but it's like <laughs> I put weight on. Like I'm yeah, like, yeah. what's going on here? And yeah, I was yeah. like, okay, like I, I get it. I'm becoming something here that I wasn't before. You're, you're really trying not to say high value man. Oh, I don't like that. Don't like yeah, that but like, it's it's Andrew Tate speaking. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Like I get this red pill thing, and, and we're yeah. kind of uh, sort of heading towards that a little bit with this chat. Yeah, and. You know, for those who don't really understand, how would you how would you describe it as someone to someone who doesn't understand this red pill theory that men are gravitating towards now? It's a response to feminism. So feminism was a response to domination. So you have this echo effect. Then feminism comes along, and you have uh, your suffragettes, women going for equal rights. Your first wave feminism sounds pretty good to me. Then it becomes second wave, third wave. Then by the fourth wave, it's women are amazing and men are shit. Let's get rid of them. It, it's very aggressive, it's for sure. It's super aggressive. And I think it's definitely attacked masculinity in a way where we've, we've heard words like toxic masculinity. Yeah. And that's kind of... And I'm not saying that there wasn't a reason for people coming up with that initially. Yeah. But it's, it, it has just become... It's gone crazy. Well, and there's, there's a terrible... Propen- I mean, I studied feminism at university and I found it useful 
as a, as a weapon system. So if I wanted to attack mainstream scientific psychology, which I didn't know how to because I was, I was annoyed with it, frustrated, whatever, feminism gave me the tools to do that, which to me that proves it's more of an ideology than a true philosophy. It's a response to. Similarly, and it's kind of, it's kind of therefore intrinsically impotent in my humble opinion. Similarly, the red pill is intrinsically impotent. It's an ideology and it's, uh, you know, it hates women and this kind of hates men. Yeah, that, I've, I've seen some of those guys where, and look, they do make some good points. Of course. And that is why a person like an Andrew Tate rises to powers because, yeah. you know, they will say some smart stuff yeah. in, in amongst the things that whip people up and make, yeah, yeah. fuck them, yeah. you know, and, and on both sides. <laughs> and I, I feel that way about a lot of things, politics yeah, as yeah. well, you know, yeah. like any far opinion usually is just extreme and, and yes, there will be some dollops of truth in there, but it is, it's nonsense, a lot of it. It, it, it is, it's, it's nonsensical, um, and I think the proof of that is you go, okay, where, where's the happiness here? Where's the joy here? You know, you got the MGTOW movement. I, I've always spoken to the MGTOW movement in this way, and they take it, thankfully, because they're resilient. What is that, sorry? I don't know. Men, men go their own way. Oh, right. They're literally, they just abandon the playing field. And I'm like, what, what's that? Like, you're just never going to get with a woman again. PlayStation and porn. That's it. And, and sex dolls. I'm like, uh, are you kidding me? And then women have their cats and their loneliness. And, and I can, like, when I was first exposed in 2013... I had some good online arguments, some robust red-blooded arguments and everything, but it was a bit of a joke. It's not a joke anymore. Like, these statistics that are coming out, yeah, people are having... Younger and younger people are having less and less sex. And, and, and it's taking longer and longer for people to actually get in committed relationships and marriage and have okay. children, because, if at all. Uh, but, look, our culture doesn't support it. And do you think from the narcissistic side of it, just to mm. bring it back a little bit, mm -hmm. obviously, you know, it's a kind of a medical thing, narcissists, um, but, but in terms of what I've experienced in relationships in my life is more and more people are coming into relationships now and thinking, how does this benefit me? Yes. What can this do for me? Yes. And at the point where not enough people are thinking, what can I give to this person and how can I make this person happy? 100%. And I, and I, I kind of feel like some of the women I've met in my life have gone like, there's a mythical man out there who will put up with everything because I'm perfect and he will find me and he will realize I am perfect. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I'm looking at this, this person thinking, while you're so broken, mm. you are never going to meet someone who is going to come along and accept all of this craziness that I'm dealing with right now. And, that, yeah. I, and it was funny because there was that, that one person I was referring to. I remember thinking like, you're never going to have a successful relationship. Mm. And, you know, as you do, you realize, um, oh, they've met someone. I'm like, how? <laughs> how have you met someone? How, how have you actually got a relationship that's working? Yeah. And then I realized it was like this on-again, off-again guy that she sees like once in a while, he yeah. lives in a different country. And yep. I'm like, that's why he thinks you're good. He hasn't actually like, had to spend multiple days a week yeah, with yeah, you. Yeah. You're just doing nice holidays. Yeah. A weekend in Paris, Bro. in. Everything's wonderful. Bro, Bro. It made, I was like, that's why. Because the minute you actually move in with this guy, and you, yeah. he will realize you are... And it, it, it goes back to the, the things that we said earlier in the podcast about like those little subtleties of are you? Mm. Like, there was things I'd say just so innocently offer up a vulnerability mm. and I'd be met with a, 
You know, like that look and that yeah. response, and yeah. I instantly felt like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm weird, or I'm, I'm bad, or I'm, I'm off, or I'm wrong. Or, yeah. And reality was, it was just you can't be vulnerable around someone like that. You just can't because they will break you down slowly. Oh, in, in that scenario, anything you say can and will be used against you. That's just weaponry. Mm. Giving them ammunition. There's, there's so much that you said there. The first thing, <laughs> sorry, the first thing that I wanted to um, uh, deal with was. Yes, showing up to a relationship as a consumer, showing up to a relationship as a, having been indoctrinated from childhood in consumer capitalism. Mm. Why wouldn't you treat the person like a faulty app? Why wouldn't you treat them like a delivery of something that wasn't quite right for you? I felt like that. A faulty app. You've You're nailed a faulty it. App. I, I'm, I need, I'm, I'm a project. Yeah. You know. You're good, but mm, <laughs> I'm giving you a six out of the app right now. We can work this up in <sighs> eight. Um, and that's. Inhuman. I mean, it, that's not the meeting of two human beings. Mm. So you have like a narcissism light. It's not full delusional break with reality, but it's a narcissism light and it's inculcated. And I'm not say I'm not receiving any negative feedback from the environment. Nobody's coming to me and saying, Richard, these 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 girls, these women, they're people. They're not things. Mm -hmm. Somebody said to me recently, um, in this culture, we've learned to uh, love people. Uh, sorry, we're supposed to love people and use things, but now we love things and use people. So we've commodified so humans true. and we're trying to consume love. And it's like, was this the five-star luxury holiday relationship I was hoping for? No, it's not really good enough. Maybe there's a better one. Swipe and you're gone. And it's like, okay, that's now we're engaging. And this is beyond narcissism. This is psychopathy. That's a person. that You're talking to a human. They're, they were a child once. They have... Pain, they have hopes, they have dreams, they have fears. You can't treat people like this. Chris Rock, in his uh, special called Tambourine in 2018, the bit that he finishes with goes into, he's not long come out of a divorce at that point as a multimillionaire, 49-year-old at that time. He's got to start again and date, mm. but he's also famous. It must be a fucking nightmare Jesus. for him. Yeah. And he's saying retroactively what he wished he'd done in the relationship. And he said, you must sacrifice. You show up ready to sacrifice and ready to give for the relationship. Both of you. Both of you. Nailed or, it. Or you've got nothing. It, that takes... It should be a giving contest. Of course. Not, not who can take the most. And no. that, I, I feel like that's where... That's where we are. My previous relationships have gone wrong in times, you know what I mean? Where, and, and look, I've, I've, I've definitely done that as well. Mm. Because, you know, you slip into the habit as well. If someone else is doing that, you, again, you get lost in this yeah. contest. Yeah. Um, and when I've been at my happiest is when I've been giving the most and when I, and that person has also been giving the most. Yes. You must, you must both give, you must both sacrifice and people who find that, like if, you're, if you see that on YouTube and you're like, I want to write a comment about that, that's you I'm talking to. Yeah. You've got the problem. You lack humility. You are not perfect. I am not perfect. None of us are perfect. You're going to, like, I'd love doing this in seminars where people say, oh, do you want a relationship? And they go, yes, I want a relationship. So I look into the crowd, it's mainly women, I'll be like, so you want to live with one man in one house for decades? And they kind of go, uh? I'm like, What's a, sorry, what were you thinking a relationship was? That's what it is. You're going to live with another dumb fucking human being mm -hmm. in the same space for years on end. Mm -hmm. And you think it's going to be like a, a nonstop party and nonstop pleasure? That's insane. Mm -hmm. Only this generation came to believe that. Nobody before believed that that was... Because we're dopamine fiends. Mm -hmm. We're not in that... 
we're not understanding that the boring, that's yeah. the good stuff. Yes. And one of my favorite speeches when we talk about like um, the movies is um, is Robin Williams and Goodwill Hunting mm. when he talks about like. You know the way his wife would fart when she, oh, you know, yeah. before she died. She and, farted. Yeah, she woke up the dog. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I love the way he's like, it's the crust of a person. It's yeah. not just the middle bit. It's everything. Yeah. And and it's that boring, repetitive, getting up every day. Yeah. And and just being around each other as your other person. Yeah. That is the best bit about it. And I just feel like we don't, because people are chasing the grandiose bullshit. Yeah. They don't appreciate that. I just don't see how somebody who is subsumed in this culture has any chance of doing an intimate relationship whatsoever. If you're into this culture and the coordinates of this culture, you're screwed. Bro, that is exactly why I avoid like those kind of, like as as, as I learned, mm. you know, I got some painful lessons, bro. I had fucking, this is me coming from a man's point of view, but when a person makes you want to kill yourself, mm -hmm the way I felt after that situation. And unfortunately, it's it's not just been the one person I've had that feeling with in my life, but when they bring you that low, mm. when they bring you to your knees where you're questioning what is the point in life if I feel so miserable, yep. when, when anyone in a relationship makes you feel that way, man or woman, fuck me, get the hell out. Yeah, because, yeah. Uh, or, or get the hell away from them, as far away from them as you can, because they're the ones who they don't care. You are just a resource to be drained. And if you're, once you're surplus to requirements, we will just discard you, destroy you. You mean nothing to that person. Well, you might even be, they might even have more of a serial killer mindset. They might, mm. they might see you as a scalp. And that's the, the, the nastiness and, and, and that's something I don't have in me. As much as I might look like big tattooed up guy, I, I, I'm an open-hearted person, you know? And I feel like it's really fucked me over because I've, when you look into the, the bottomless black hole that um, this we've created mm. in um, cancel culture and things like that, where I've been a, a, a victim of that at times, and, and not that I didn't do anything wrong because I was a stupid idiot, but... When you feel that, like when you're looking into it and you're like, wow, mm. God, there's not a lot of empathy out there. No. And, 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 and don't get me wrong, like. There's a lot of people talking about empathy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, be kind. You know, when Caroline Flack, uh, you know, poor, the poor lady uh, took her own life, and there was a lot of that out there. Mm. But the reality is, cancel culture got right back to work next yeah, week. Yeah. Yeah. Baseline people, they're good. The online world is violent, narcissistic psychopaths. And, th and that's what I'm, what I'm getting to is, I feel like that online mindset of, mm. of, of the online psychopath, it's creeping into it in real life you wouldn't submit to that kind of brainwashing under any other circumstances. Mm. If I was like, I'm running this particular party, put on the VR headset and listen to me talk to you for seven hours a day, you'd tell me to F off. But if it's entertaining or sexy or funny, we as monkeys just choose. <laughs> I love the way you said that. We as monkeys, that is, that you've nailed it, yeah. And I, I, that is part of the, I feel like the issue mm. is, it it is in in infecting yes. us. Yes. This the 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 narcissism is coming through the phone it's into like, a, it's like backwash. Yeah. Like backwash. It's 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 coming back and we read the comments and you think 
the most vocal lunatics, the, the, the lunatics of any village, go online and scream about the issue and you think that's what everybody thinks about the issue. It isn't. Most of us don't even bother. Uh-huh. I don't leave a comment. I scroll past if it's weird. Uh-huh. Like, but the lunatics, they hold the space. I mean, let, let's take, for example, um, in, in pop culture right now, Sam Smith is someone who everyone's talking about. Yeah. But it's the... It's the full outrage yeah. about him that I'm more looking at, and those are the personalities who command the space. As you yeah. like, do they really wake up in the morning and get really that outraged by some geezer? Like, you know, no offense to Sam Smith, who's out of shape yeah. and 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 dressing up like a devil or a fucking balloon animal. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I get it. The guy looks like a bit ridiculous. But you're not really that angry. You're getting so angry because that will get the, the clickbait, the thumbnail, the title, every, and that will get you the reward. The, the people who do this, I always think, like a large majority of them have to be unemployed. They have to be. Well, Piers Morgan is a, is a guy who does that, though. That's his employment is to do that. Yeah. Like his employment is to be, oh, I'm absolutely. Yeah, he doesn't. I mean, does he really give that much of a fuck about Meghan and Harry? No. Like it's become his thing. No, he doesn't. That's how he makes money. There's just no way because I don't particularly like him, but I have to acknowledge like he must have a fairly full life. He must have a full. He's. He's as famous as he wants to be in exactly the way that he wants to be. Yeah. That's a fulfilled human. So no, he's not, he's not looking at Meghan and Harry and be like, my God, I couldn't sleep a wink until these two divorced. For, for a guy who looks like that, right? Like, no offense to Piers, but again, he's not, he's not Mr. Chad Athlete, you know. He's not a good-looking human necessarily, but he is a, a fat old guy who shags a woman who's probably well out of his league. He goes home driving a lovely car. You don't really give that much of a fuck. No, he doesn't. You walk in, you put your hat on. Yes. I am the middle-aged, or whatever he is, outraged white guy in yeah. Britain who is put there to be a voice of the voiceless, you yes. know? Yeah. And for those white men who now feel like they're marginalised, I am going to be that guy. Yes, fuck you, white men. Yeah. Evil colonisers. <laughs> yeah. We can say it, there's nothing they can yeah, do. Yeah, I mean, really, yeah, it's okay to say it for me. I, I, and it's interesting that Piers and Andrew Tate they did the interview together. And I thought that was a good interview. I, I didn't that... say it, actually, because I thought, I, I really dislike both of you. So oh, okay. I'm just hoping a bomb hits. <laughs> Sorry, I probably they, shouldn't say that. They, so. they, they, yeah, you'll be cancelled. <laughs> Not again. They, they actually... You can't cancel me for the same thing twice. Though. That's true. That's true. That's true. And you, if you're independently wealthy, <laughs> try and cancel me, I guess. <sighs> they, they, in their combat, they brought out other sides of each other, which was interesting. But I think that they both play a game that, like people will say, it's okay. It's just for likes. It's for follows. It's entertainment. We shouldn't be doing this. We shouldn't troll each other. We shouldn't outrage each other. This is infantile. What we're uh, doing. Exactly, mate. And that's why, like, a, a mate of mine sent me a video some guy had made about me the other day, and and God bless him. He's a younger YouTuber. He's like, are, are you all right? I was like, mate, you, there's about a hundred of these out there at least. <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm not. Come round yeah. and give me a cuddle. I'm like, I'm not even going to watch this. Yeah. I'm like, this guy spent half an hour making a video, but I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Because again, if I if I responded to every one of these clowns, I'd never get anything done. I'd, I wouldn't be happy. I'd be listening to people rip me to shreds and say everything they hate yeah. about me. It, 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 it isn't conducive, but again, there is a reward system there. And that is, that is the reason that these people are doing that. Going back to the relationship side of it, because I do find this fascinating and I think a lot of people have been there. But if you're trying to work out, mm. you know, is, 
is my partner a narcissist or am I a narcissist? There's actually a test for narcissism. I think came out in 2018, I can't remember the American University, but the test was basically to say to people, uh, students on campus, these are the traits of a narcissist. Do you agree that you have these traits or not? And they would either say yes or no. And when they compared it to like multifactorial, difficult clinical tests that take 40 minutes to complete, it was about as accurate. So if you say to somebody who's highly narcissistic, these are the traits of narcissism, do you agree that you have this? They'll largely just tell you, yes, I do. You can confront people with MPD, and as long as they don't think it's going to disadvantage them, they'll tell you, yes, the internal subjective experience of MPD, uh, of narcissism, sorry, for people who have narcissistic personality disorder, is that this is not a disadvantage. I'm better than you. What happens when two narcissists are together? Is that just chaos or...? I, I suspect that the most stable and probably the most common relationship format is not narcissist and victim or narcissist and codependent. It is narcissist with narcissist. And probably different forms... Power couples, for yeah, example. Power couples. They last longer. Um, with a narcissist and a codependent, the codependent's going to get tired and they'll either, like, you know, physically uh, leave this world... Um, or they'll start drinking, or so, something will break down. But with another narcissist of a different stripe, perhaps they're very psychopathic, histrionic, borderline, they could be covert with a grandiose. But as long as they both have that fundamental narcissistic core, they can still get narcissistic supply, and they can just live together for decades on end and have a, a dramatic and confrontational relationship, but largely it will balance itself out. So it's actually the more normal, I, I suspect, is most narcissistic relationships are actually with a narcissist and a narcissist. We think as codependents, oh, it must all be a narcissist finding a victim. I know multiple narcissistically abusive relationships where people are married and they just take it in turns to, eat, to drink each other's milkshake, basically. They just abuse each other by turn. Wow. It's sick. It's really sick. Really sick. The way that you would know if you're in a narcissistically abusive relationship is if you start questioning if you're in a narcissistically abusive relationship. If you start looking at YouTube videos and Googling, why has my girlfriend got no empathy? Why is my boyfriend so cruel to me? Yeah. I, a friend of mine once sort of confided in me uh, about such a, a situation that they were in of where, like, you... <laughs> nothing they said was being taken on board. Yeah. And, and for a man as well to be in a physically abusive relationship was a real shock to me. So He what, was the victim of physical abuse. Oh, really? Yeah, and it was one of those situations where it was one of the rare times in my life where people have confided in me on that level and made me go, wow. Like, and, and as a friend, you're like, well, what do I do? Mm. I'm worried about, like, worried Mm. about the health and safety of this it was, guy. It was that serious? Yeah. Yeah, but well, for me it was because I, I was on the outside. Yeah. And I'm like, when I'm hearing certain things are happening and I'm like, okay, you came home to what? Like, this happened or that, you know? Mm. I'm like, where's this going? Mm. Because if you've got a, a friend who's, who's in that situation, who's, you know, you're like, well... If you haven't got the strength to... And then I'm also worried, what, what happens if one day this guy, he snaps? Yeah. Because when a man is in a situation where he's being... 
physically uh, beaten and 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 provoked. Y- yeah, it, it's like you know, like uh, have you ever seen me, myself, and Irene? Where yes. one day it all just short circuits, and it's he, really good. And that, he, actually, he drives a fucking car into a fucking building because yeah, he's yeah. had enough of the life shit because he's missed a nice guy. Yes, that's what I was worried about. I'm like, what happens if one day you turn round and yeah. belt her, yeah. and the whole world's gonna think you're a fucking this, that, and the other? When in reality, you know. Yeah. This has been going on, and it's been you know it, it's a really tricky situation to be in, where you know there's no empathy. Yes, I, I I think the key there. Well, look, like anybody can have a bad day, a bad month. Some people even have bad years. You know, if they're grieving for mm. like a mother or father, they're addicted to drugs. There's there's things that can happen in relationships where your partner can go a little dark for a while, and I think we have to account for that. Where there's a consistent pattern of behavior across time and across context, we really have to start letting go of the idea that this person is good for you. You have to despair. You have to give up. Yeah. And a lot of us don't like giving up. And, and because we make exceptions for them, because and, and, and excuses, you go, oh, they're going through a bad time at the yeah. moment. Their, their you know, dog just died or their dad died or whatever. You know, there's, there's reasons for them not being in their best. But... but there was there was one relationship I was in where that person was constantly complaining about one thing or another, and there was always something. Mm. There was always a thing. Mm. You know what I mean? And um, there is something called I'd smile because there's something called negativistic personality disorder. Constantly complaining. Yeah, yeah. And 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 I I could guarantee on any given day mm. if I asked the question, "Are you okay? Are you you know what's happened today?" Oh, oh. I wouldn't. Oh, you wouldn't believe. It, it, yeah, it would be the. <laughs> And I'd literally hate that sound. Yeah, I'd, yeah. I'd get to a point where, you know, so... They I just want to suck all the joy yeah, out of life yeah. and out of you and everyone else, yeah. Bro, and, you know, if there's, if there's one bit of advice I could say to any man out there, is first and foremost, think of get, get yourself a positive person. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, because positivity, you know, can take you to a happy life, yeah. you know, no matter, no matter what. And, and being in that scenario was brutal. Mm. Um, just feeling like constant negativity but yeah it, it just felt like no matter what I did I couldn't turn that situation I couldn't do anything and like you say stop making exceptions yeah. accept that this is who you're with and I found that really difficult you know the reason one of the I'm sorry to bang this drum it's a cultural issue again we now live in a culture it's extremely consumerist and it's very morally relativistic we've embraced postmodernism wholesale. Mm-hmm. And nobody realizes it. They're like, postmodernism, that's some weird thing from university. It's <laughs> in everything. It's in everything. We, it's, it's, the, it's the water we drink every day. Postmodernism, moral relativity, um, there's an awful lot of ideas that we have around that sort of social constructionist. And what all this means is that psychology and psychological ideas fundamentally seeped out into reality. So there's things that I should say to you in therapy that are correct in therapy. You're my client and you say I did a bad thing. And I'm like, let's say for, for this space, I'm holding space for you as the Americans say. There's nothing bad here. That's a judgment. And we'll leave the value judgment aside you did something in response to a pressure that you were under. You know the drill. Have you, have you been in therapy? No. Okay. Well, I, actually, well, I was a little bit, but yeah. A little bit. But you know this talk. So I'm not here as your therapist to assist you in morally condemning yourself. We're never going to move forward therapeutically. We're not going to have the breakthroughs I need you to have so that you get better and move on with your life. I'm emotionally mature. Mm. So that space must be morally relativistic. You say I did a bad thing and I say it was bad to you in that context, but maybe over here in another context it wouldn't be. 
That's good in therapy. It's shit in banking. It doesn't belong in hospitals. It damn sure doesn't belong in the fucking military <laughs> or education. We need moral absolutism. Mm. How are you going to have a people who don't know right from wrong? Of course we're all susceptible to narcissistic abuse. There's no right or wrong. Saddam Hussein was a bad guy. Yeah, but you don't know how his mum raised him. No, he's a bad dude. Why? Because killing people is wrong. So the moral relativist will say, yeah, but maybe in his culture it's okay. <laughs> fuck what your culture is. Yeah. You know, certain things should have a hard moral boundary. We don't kill. If we can't agree on that, we don't hit. I don't, if you tell me no, no means no. It doesn't matter what the no is. I ask you, you want to do something or give me something, you say no, no means no. That's respecting your boundaries as a human being. This is where we need to be and we're swimming in a soup of moral relativity and people think it's righteous. They, the cancel culture brigade, they think this is virtuous. No, everybody's everything. Whatever you believe that you do in your culture is fine. No, no, no. There are boundaries. Boundaries are good. Boundaries protect us. So we're also in an anti-boundary culture. So it's, it's very hard for, for any of us to assess. I struggled with it for years. Dude, I had a brand of martial arts training that the air marshals took on. I spoke to the, the fucking air marshals in Las Vegas mm -hmm. every month. Meanwhile, at home, a 24-year-old dancer was running rings around me. Mm -hmm. I'm teaching self-protection to American special forces and air marshals and police. And back home, I can't protect myself from being humiliated by this girl that I'm living with. Mm -hmm. Insane. Totally insane. But when you say running rings, can you elaborate on how it made you feel? What happened? She was she had histrionic personality disorder, probably, which meant that she was hypersexual, also borderline, very very emotionally. <laughs> it's hard not to smile when you say that, brother. What hypersexual? Uh, yeah, you're talking about a 24 year old dancer who's hypersexual. Amazing. Uh, I mean, <laughs> who'd have thunk? <laughs> but, but yeah, but I can understand how, as a man. Mm. and how addictive that situation could have been of like, obviously you're getting a reward there from everything that you're oh, saying, yeah. but then the other patterns <laughs> of behavior, probably chaotic, I would assume. But to totally chaotic mm. and didn't, didn't create an environment of safety, mm. you know, which is if you want to love someone, then Bro. you have to be vulnerable, you need to be safe. And, and, and that is actually, um, in my experience, the, the the best relationships yeah. are the ones where you feel at your safest. Yeah, yeah. That's a real big word for me. Yeah, yeah it's huge. Yeah. Her father left. Uh, she was she was Chinese. She moved to the UK when she was four. The father left and went and produced another family back in Malaysia where she was from. Massive daddy issues. Okay. Huge daddy issues. Really loved attention from men. When I say she was a dancer, she was a dancer in uh, nightclubs. And she was an ex, uh, she was on the British team for sports, sports acrobatics. Okay. Bedroom activities were great. <laughs> Everything else outside of the bedroom, she just wasn't qualified for. Can we, can we explore the daddy issues thing then? If it wasn't for women with daddy issues, I'd be a virgin. Um, <laughs> like, it's definitely been uh, a, a gift and a curse to my life. You're in that Viking daddy niche. Absolutely. That's what it is. Well, well, you know, when women with daddy issues tend, I, I assume anyway, they tend to like men who look like they can protect them and, yes. and yada, yada, yada. So this has obviously been a factor in my life where I've encountered, the majority of women I've encountered have had daddy issues. Okay, so I'll, I'll, there's, there's, there's little notes I've got in my head that I have to bring up. So let me preface this with something that I knew we would cover today. Um, everybody knows Sigmund Freud. Everybody thinks that Sigmund Freud was like a misogynistic, finger-wagging Viennese gentleman who loathed women and feared female sexuality. Not true. 
nothing further from the truth. He was actually very sex positive. Sigmund Freud, I'm paraphrasing, said that after years and years of analysis of men and women, psychoanalysis, he said sexual perversion is so ubiquitous and so normal that we shouldn't call it sexual perversion at all. So perversion, what we now term perversion, is built into human sexuality. There's another guy who's in his lineage of psychoanalytic theory called Slavoj Žižek, who's a Slovenian philosopher who I like, who says it's never just two people in a room having sex. There's always a third element, the perversion, the fetish, the fantasy, whatever it is. That's how human beings achieve orgasm and have really good sex. So if you have anybody, just so people know, so we set the context, because daddy issues is a, is a paraphilia. And some people are disgusted by it because they think the daddy role play is she's literally seeing you as her biological father. Now, that's gross. And it's, it's not that. Uh-huh. It's a power dynamic that is played for safety. Exactly why I said protect the... Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah rather yeah. than, you know... Rather yeah. than dad, rather than actual father, which yeah. would not, which would be the opposite of protection. That would yeah. be a boundary infringement, and it would be exploitation. Absolutely, it's not protection. Yeah. So the word "daddy" is sort of thrown in for as a, I guess a, a, a way of putting a name on you. You know what I mean? Yeah. For women to, to 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 give you that sort of title. It's a status. Yeah. It's a status. I thing. get it. And so there's a submission and mm. a dominance there, but there's also a taboo. Well, humans like breaking taboos. And when mm. it comes to sexuality, you'll notice that most of the things that get uh, the engine running are taboo breaking. You read like, uh, there's a woman called Nancy Friday, or at least that's her pseudonym. She did multiple books on female sexual fantasies and male sexual fantasies. I, I recommend anybody scroll through, look at what people in the privacy of their homes, in the privacy of their own minds, look at what makes them have an orgasm. Show me the, the, the sexual fancy that doesn't have a boundary break in it. Even if it's a guy who has a sexual fancy about his secretary, well, where's the boundary break? He shouldn't be fucking his secretary. He shouldn't yeah. be fucking his secretary. There's something. And there's a reason, I mean, let's be real, why uh, the views on porn videos are in the hundreds of millions. Yeah, of course. And, like, porn videos seem to get more views than any YouTube video. Do you know what I mean? mean? I mean, the, the, the money in porn just grows every year. <laughs> the, the statistics for OnlyFans alone, I mean, it's ridiculous. And I spoke to um, an OnlyFans girl as a friend, just mm. to be clear, mm. at one point, and, and some of the things I found out about her customers mm-hmm. and what they'd ask for, mm-hmm. it was never normal. It was, yeah. you know, it was always a bit odd, a bit different. Yeah, it's a paraphilia. It, there was always something, as you've just said, yeah. there was always a perversion, there was always yeah. a kink yeah. that got them off. Well, and, and the reason why I'm prefacing it with this is we spoke about the online cancel culture and the moral outgr- outrage brigade and the people who, who clutch their pearls and are like, oh my God, mm-hmm. you like daddy role play or, mm-hmm. or whatever the thing is. So do you. You all like something. Mm-hmm. You're either asexual or you have a perversion. Yeah. Get the fuck out of here. No, no, I'm purely vanilla. You're not. So the psychologists have spoken. Yeah. We know from all the data, we know from porn searches, we know from uh, work by people like Nancy Friday, everybody has a third element. All of us, we need it. It's fine. It's totally fine. This should be seen as, as, an, as a third element. It's a desire for protection. It's about safety. Within um, the daddy role play model, safety is built in because... Uh, Don't take this literally, folks. It's psychoanalytic theory. It's all symbolic. A father cannot not undaughter his daughter. It's a bond. You can't, there's nothing you can do. Like a father 
you can't terminate that relationship. Absolutely. It's an interminable relationship. A daughter can't abandon her father. Father can't abandon the daughter. Safety's built in. Mm -hmm. So people think, oh, the fantasy is all about hardcore porn and like athletic. Yeah, there's an element of that, but it's in a context of safety. That's why it's appealing. The male gets something from it. The female gets something from it. In gay relationships, it'll be the same thing. Somebody's a top, somebody's a bottom. There's dominance and submission, there's sadism and there's masochism. This is just yin and yang and human sexuality. And, and, and as you say, it's not, it's, it's, the orgasm is really the end of, of, of it. Like there, there is a lot more going on, whether it be uh, financial and, and all, all sorts of things going on. Um, I've been in, a, in two relationships where the daddy thing was proven to not just be sexual in the way that you're talking about because the girls would forget and we'd be in the supermarket and they'd call me daddy. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, there's people here. Yeah. <laughs> One girl did it in front of her mum. And I was like, oh, great. Thank yeah. you very much for that. Don't you be getting any ideas, mum? Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah I, I, I totally get it. And like for me personally, it was never the thing. It was, it was, it was always something that I sort of uh, accepted because I was like, all right, I get this. And I, I, you know, you're in a relationship, you always want to yeah. meet each other halfway, whatever yeah, that yeah. is. Um, wh why do you think that women do? have these daddy issues and then choose to try and create a new situation with a, with a man under that same title? I think um, what I'm noticing, and, and I actually haven't looked at the research for this, but we'll probably back it, is the daddy fantasy is actually more prevalent now than it was like 20 years ago. Um, it, and I think it's because there's a lack of father figures, there's a lack of men. Mm -hmm. That is the ultimate man. That is the man. That's the first man in your life. That is the ultimate male authority. And is it because also maybe that men are becoming so feminized... 100%. ...that women are craving yeah. that figure? So, so say if I go online, it's always, always going to wind people up if, I, if I'm biologically essentialist. And I'm like, men like this and women like that. And it upsets people. Mm -hmm. and, and women will get more vocally upset, typically, than men will. They hate it. They're like, you, I didn't know you were a secret misogynist. I didn't know that you were this phobic and that phobic and blah, blah, blah. And all these words get thrown around. But my DMs fill up. So you're outraged and you're aroused. This is, this is human nature. This is, this is what we are. We are hypocritical creatures. We're contrary creatures. You're like, I, I hate that. Oh, I've never been more aroused. <laughs> That's disgusting. Oh, let's yeah. go and have sex. It's... That's the dynamism that we uh, require. And uh, women who find those arrogant men, you know, who love themselves, yeah. you know, they find them annoying, but also... Oh, so annoying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's also that attraction there of... Yeah. I don't know why, but women do like men who are very overly confident, for example, you know? It's... it's again, we're back to... Let, let me preface this just really quickly so I don't, I don't lose people. The solution to all of this, like what I'm about to say, we've spoken about the savagery that's inside of men and women, is humility and a sense of humor. Like, I have to accept that the girl I love, that I live with, she's biologically programmed like this and this and this. She needs to accept the creature that I am. I accept the creature that she is. If I hate women, or I, a core of me hates an element of women, we have no chance. If she hates men, or, or an element of her hates some aspect of men, I'm a man. We've got no chance. I have to forgive her. She has to forgive me. In humility, we meet in the middle with a sense of humor and we find a way to compromise a way around it. The instinct um, here, I think, between men and women is, is it's intrinsically different. I, 
I've said this to my female friends, it drives them crazy, but they always thank me for it afterwards. Women like, not all women, many women like men who seem to be arrogant and narcissistic and psychopathic because it is seen as intrinsically masculine. The essence of masculinity in the yin-yang framework is yang. They, they are the guys who survive. They are the providers. They're the providers. Wouldn't the gatherers types. And they're not nice. Mm. They're not submissive. They're not. You know they why? Don't yeah, because back in the days when it, it was important to to kill and to fucking hunt and all of that, you, yeah. you didn't want to be nice for that. No, nope. these, exactly. these are dudes who are good at smashing the enemy's head in and then falling asleep and sleeping like a baby. Yeah. So, soldiers and prostitutes. Exactly. We're back to barbarism. Soldiers yeah. and prostitutes. So women will get frustrated with themselves and be like, oh, I always go for these bad boys. I had a, a, another female friend of mine. She's, uh, she won't mind me saying this. She's, 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 she's from Serbia. And she's like, I fell in love with a guy and I'm so ashamed. It's so embarrassing. And I was like, show me his pictures. I can't, I'm such a tit. And she showed me this guy who looks like the um, uh, sort of the amusing stereotype of a Bal of Balkan gangster. He's got the chains. He's got a white BMW. He's got wraparound sunglasses. I'm like, are you kidding me? Look at you, ass! <laughs> I, I promised her I wouldn't laugh, and then I laughed at her for about five minutes. She's like, I know, I can't help it. I don't know what it is in me. And we talked about, it and I said, no, because you should see the things that excite me about women. It's embarrassing. It's childish. I, like when a woman shows herself off or she's very, uh, very sexually confident or she flirts with other men or she's, or she's showing off her body. I'm, I'm like, am I a moron? I teach psychology for a living. Am I stupid? And a part of me goes, yeah, you're dumb. You're a dumb human. You're a monkey. You're a monkey. Yeah. Okay, to be a vulgar but without using swear words, like what is making the blood rush to the parts of my body that need blood? It's not... An intellectual stimulation, yeah. are. like my that's why TikTok has, has become a thing, is because short clips of girls bouncing their asses around, yep. get men, yep. keep them yep. swiping all the time. That dumb monkey brain yeah. going, and it's not. You know, we might all want utopianism and to pretty it up and to idealize it. But what caused human beings to be here? A lot of thrusting and gasping and like moaning and calling each other daddy and role playing and switching it up. And that's why we're here. You might not like it, but it was an awful lot of heterosexual activity and people coming in each other that led to a thing. <laughs> so go, going back to the, the daddy thing, yes. have you ever found that it could backfire though? Because obviously you're... you're you're trying to be there in, mm. in, a, in a role that's, despite the, um, the jokiness and the playfulness of this whole you know, yeah. kink that some girls have, um, they do speak to you in a different kind of way once they see you as that person I found anyway. Yeah. Like, there's a little bit more of a, of a respectful tone. They, they, they treat you a little bit more of a, as a senior mm. figure in the relationship, you know? It's funny. I'm, Just to help me stand up. Yeah. <laughs> Thank Sorry. you, young lady. Yeah, darling. <laughs> um, but, but sometimes that can trigger... Um, I don't know, maybe the trauma of their dad yeah. uh, leaving them, abandonment oh. issues. And I, I've had moments where girls have been like weirdly emotional, uh, out of the blue. And I've been like, you're not angry at me, are you? Mm. you 
you're angry at your dad and, mm-hmm. and like the, the, the immediately like crying and, and you know you give a hug and but have you found that that's happened to you a little bit or yes maybe not quite as obvious as that but. well I mean what you're describing I wouldn't say is particularly unhealthy there's a moment of shadow activation that's a sign of vulnerability you were getting closer in terms of intimacy mm. like I guess I should say it like sometimes acts of abuse that they're taken in a single moment snapshot mm. that's abuse Actually, that can be because the relationship is progressing. She's spoken to you in a way that was very rude or very disrespectful, or you said something to her. That's actually because you're progressing and you're, you're showing each other that shadow side, mm. this avowed side of yourself. I went into counseling for, for what you're talking about. And um, my counselor back in 2010, um, when I told her about this, this role play thing and the, the safety of the role play, she said, yeah, but also this girl can do anything to you and she feels like you won't abandon her. That's a problem. She feels like she can abuse you, she can flirt with other men, she can disrespect your boundaries, and because you're her daddy... Unconditional love, yeah. Unconditional Which love. isn't a relationship, that's not the role nope. that you're really in. Nope. Yeah. Um, so, which is, an, a, without getting sidetracked again, like that's an interesting thing, that, that we think adults should have unconditional love for each other. And I'm like, mm, I think relationships probably need to be more conditional, not less. Mm. Um, you can love a person, you can love them even if you're not in a relationship with them, but be careful with saying we should be in a, con- a situation of unconditional love as two adults. Also, it's not true. Your love is actually, your, your togetherness is actually very conditional. Why, why do you want it to be unconditional is my question, it's my worry. It's a fucking if, good if, question. If, some, if someone says that, I'm like, well, why though? Yeah. If you're if, never going to hurt me, yeah. and you know you're never going to hurt me, you don't have to worry about that. Yep. If you need it to be unconditional, it's because you're planning on some wild shit, and that's, I'm not down for that. That's good. That's good. That shows me that you've really been hurt many times, brother. Because <laughs> you're ready. You're like that. Hey, hey. I've got my shield and my kilt on, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I see where this is going. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No. I mean, it's 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 not a realistic expectation. That's mm. not a realistic expectation. But yes, I ended up in counselling, and I remember the counsellor saying to me. The reason, part of the reason why your girlfriend is doing this to you is because you've allowed a role play that should have stayed in the bedroom to burst out of the bedroom into real life. And now she, you are her father. So you can, you can never leave. The horrible thing about that was I really struggled to leave her even after she eventually cheated on me. She eventually consummated the, she was flirting with other men and then eventually she got with another guy. And why couldn't I leave her? Was it because I loved her so much? No, it's because I was her father. She was younger than me. And that's probably why she felt like she could cheat on you. Mm-hmm. Because almost, she's not really cheating on her on guy. Her friend. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're, you're above that almost. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And then I was that, we did nine months of horror. It was horror. Obviously, once the trust is broken, it's just a disgusting oh, mess. It's brutal. It's horrible. Yeah. But... I what kept me in it was it lost a little bit was it that I loved her no because that was broken I felt guilty every time I tried to get rid of her I'd have these protracted long psychotic fantasies where her life would fall apart without me in a way a father would having anxiety about his child so yeah we got to be careful with this stuff really careful wow mm. yeah I think that's a great point about keeping that sort of dynamic confined to the bedroom yeah <laughs> um, because you know and the bedroom will be fantasy and the relation healthy relationships are rooted in fantasy you have a shared fantasy with your partner of who you are it's totally fine navigating the specific boundaries of the fantasy is the real skill I think 
Yeah, uh, that's a great point because it's supposed to be playful, mm-hmm. it, it, you know, and it's it's supposed to. To, to, to not get too serious to not become and, and it sounds like that just came out of the bedroom and just took over yeah. the whole thing yes it did it, it, it really did and, and it was I didn't realise how much of that was being powered by her and how much of it was powered by sex I was 30 years old this was the hottest girl I'd ever been with by far she wanted sex all the time and she was deep into this daddy thing and I was like this is like the best thing ever yeah. in the beginning 12 months later, I was a shell of myself. Bro, yeah. I've been in a situation like this before where sex and controlled me. Yeah. You know, the, I, I met a girl who I thought I had the best, you know, sexual experience with, and I couldn't get enough of that. Mm. And what I found, and I think that I'm, the reason I'm bringing this up is because I think a lot of men do this, is that reward system. Mm. It, at the start, it's, it is that hit of, wow, this is unbelievable. More, more, more. And the more little red flags were popping up, I was ignoring them consistently because I was like, I can't get enough. Because you're an addict. Yeah, I was. I was, I, <laughs> yeah, I was like a crackhead, mate. And it didn't matter how damaging this situation was. Yeah. And I remember there was one point where an eye-opening experience of her screaming and shouting like a lunatic at me and I was like what how did we get here you yeah. know what I mean and it's yeah. it's because as men you are willing sometimes to overlook so many things when you are with that hottest girl of your life type shit yes I think so we're back to that biological determinism mm. biological essentialism thing men are very very motivated by sexual fulfillment mm. but just to add a little nuance to that I don't know if you found this to be true. I think actually men are also, within that paradigm, intrinsically emotional. The best orgasms I ever had were with girls I really loved. Mm. And I was like, hang on, but if I'm just this psychopathic warrior sex machine, what, what does that mean? Because it should be really great as long as she's hot, as long as she's hot, as long as she's hot. And it actually hasn't proven to be true for me. And the reason I bring that up is that's what keeps you stuck in that relationship, first level, sex. But second level, why is the sex so good? Because you're in love. And, and that seems to turn on a different system that allows the sexual experience to be better, maybe uh-huh. feel safer. In my, ex- I, I don't know if you found that to be true, but like the sex was just way better. Also, you're, yeah, you're not afraid to share more, to be more you, to, right. to push those boundaries, as I say, explore every kink that you want. <laughs> Um, Which I did with that girl. And yeah, fair fuck. We were just love pigs. It. We were so fucking greedy. It was disgusting. We were pigs. <laughs> I love it. And I think that the the thing with women, though, is I think that, and the thing that I've understood a little bit more lately about women is that they don't understand. I understand that they're nowhere motivated by sex, mm. but I don't think they realise what a need it is for a man mm. almost you know and I, I get that it varies from man to man but mm. but because women don't have that same need mm. their needs are different they can kind of I kind of feel like they dismiss it a little bit in their head of how important sex is to a man and, yes. the, and, I, and, and I, going back to some of my experiences when a woman said no in a relationship mm. to sex for me that was a moment of like Oh, I really am hurt. Yeah. Like hurt emotionally, yeah. not just yeah, yeah. not just no physically. Uh, you know, I'm not getting what I want. But it was a 
oh, I feel so fucking rejected right now. Like, mm-hmm. if you don't want me sexually, and I get that, that it's not the language women speak mm. in the way that men... men. She, she may have been in love with you. She may have been like, no, I want you emotionally. Yeah, yeah. And and, and I'm, I'm not even, you know, I'm not even criticising her. Yeah. You know, it was yeah. one of those we'd had an argument. She wasn't in the mood. I'm like, yeah. let's make up. Oh, okay. You know, classic like, man. No. <laughs> uh, but it, oh, it wounded us. Because yeah. I was just like, yeah. I already feel like shit about the argument we had. I'm trying yeah. to make up over here and now I feel rejected on a sexual level yes. and I just don't think that I don't think that women quite understand that as you've just rightly said when you when you combine sex with that emotional connection how important it is for a man and how how much we need that uh, positive reinforcement on a regular occurrence one of the few things that I see has been good about the development of the technology that's inevitably going to lead to us being in the metaverse and virtual reality and pods. That's our future as, as <laughs> human beings, sadly, unless, unless there's a revolution or a major war, um, is, is the ability potentially to create empathy. So I will know one day, possibly in my lifetime, if the technology is there, really what it feels like to be a woman. And a woman will really know what it feels like to be me. And I imagine if we did that a few times and you come out the pod, I think it would change the way we treat each other. Um, obviously, we don't have that now, but what mm. we do have is communication. Yes. And I think that that's one of the problems right now in relationships that of people I know is because people are starting a relationship off, and this is me included in the past for sure, mm. of, of, of um, protecting yourself. Mm-hmm. You're kind of coming in with a, a... You're not giving everything... And, and you're kind of waiting to see whether or not this person is the one to give everything to. Yeah. But you're kind of fucked because if you, if you don't go for it at some point, you end up 10 years down the road in a relationship where you've never really given everything. You've never really opened up because you're waiting for that moment where, and yeah, you've committed along the way, but you've never fully let it all out. And um, yeah, I think for me, that's been one of the things that's benefited my life in um, you know the last few years is just realizing to just be real and just to be you. you yeah, you should I mean? like uh, at least to be you, to be vulnerable. Mm. At least if you're being rejected, it's you that's being rejected, and you can courageously endure that and have humility and a sense of humor and go, "Well, that fucking sucks, bro. It's brutal. It's brutal." When you're really you and yeah. you feel like they they don't, it's not necessarily like I felt rejected when when I when I had that moment of kind of rejection. It was more like you don't love me enough. Mm. You know, mm. that's a that's a more of a complicated feeling where you're yeah. like, yeah. You love me, but your ceiling of love ain't my ceiling of love. I'm yeah. the, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a bit of a fucking. Even I, I wouldn't say I'm a classic romantic, but I'm a like, I'm, I'm a, a hard lover. Like <laughs> that sounds so fucking. Ooh, daddy. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, you know what I mean? There's a clip. There you go. I'm bro. a hard hey, lover. That's going on TikTok. Yeah, tell you what. <laughs> when I love hard, I love hard. Okay. <laughs> As in, like, I give it on my all, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. And, and so when, when it doesn't come back in that yeah. level, you're like, I've got to let you go. And I, as much as I like you and yeah. I love you and all of that, you're never going to be that person who's going to give me back what I'm giving out. It's, it's interesting you say that because I think, uh, I, like, the old self-defense business was called Street Fight Secrets and it was for lads at the front edge who needed to fight with their bare hands and your head butting each other and eye gouging <laughs> each other all that they would often be the most romantic men their fantasy uh, not sexually but emotionally about women frightened me 
when I would talk to them and I'd, I'd interact with them, I, and they'd tell me about the problems they had with their wives and the, the special forces guys who'll fucking shoot 10 lads in the head and mm-hmm. then go and have breakfast. Terrified of approaching a girl in a bar or terrified of having a, a, an argument with their wife. So when I see guys who are more at the masculine, who are present more masculine, who do their powerlifting, their bodybuilding and all that, I always wonder, like, is this like one of my clients from back in the day mm. where there is this? And I think, it, I'm not big on genetics describing personality things, <laughs> but I have this suspicion that there's like a warrior gene and a soldier gene, and it's kind of... Um, Dangerous on one level to the enemy, but dangerous to itself within camp because I'm loyal. I'll do my duty. I won't leave, even when I should leave, even when I should, because I don't give up. I'm not, I, I want to stick with this. And there's this ethos that makes you very, very attractive to dangerous women and also very, very unlikely to leave when you should. I'm not, I'm not leaving. I don't quit. I'm tough, I can take this. She has a few problems, but I'm a tough guy. And then five years later, you know, the light's slowly dimming from your eyes and you're exhausted. And- yeah, if there's, if there's two qualities of mine that I feel like I've let be abused in the past, it's, it's loyalty and generosity. Right. It's like, a very masculine trait. Yeah, and I feel like they are two of my best and worst qualities because, right. again, it's like... Uh, women and friends it, you know you, you can be too loyal to a point where you're a mug and yeah, I've yeah. definitely felt that way uh, you know and uh, it's just important to to not to not be too nice and I think you know there'll be a lot of young lads listening to this and because uh, it, it, we, we view those qualities as such great things mm. but, they're, but they're not always Mm-mm. you know what I mean like, nothing should be boundaryless yeah. in this world nothing nothing there's nothing you should give in a boundaryless way it loses all value mm. if your loyalty spunks out everywhere at the first opportunity what is it it doesn't mean anything yeah same with you know your generosity like even if you have the money to buy people dinner all the time it, it took me years i was 40 before i learned this mm. don't yes you've got the money yes you're richer than they are but you can't live like this. It's not right. And it corrupts them. Mm. You're, you're, I'm corrupting my relationship with people I really care about. Fucking so true. Because you turn a dynamic of friendship into provider, yeah. receiver. And no good deed goes unpunished. You're creating resentment. And you'll feel it. Oh, mate, I didn't even realise until it was too late. Yep. I swear to God. In, in many, many instances, I, I, I thought give more people will like me more mm-hmm. so wrong mm-hmm. like it's 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 crazy but people they they do resent you or they they, they begin to look at you like in, with entitlement oh yeah i've, got, I've got the they knife, don't appreciate I've, anything i've got the knife marks in my back to prove it mate I've done it's, it, I've it's done so it weird again. it's got to the point now where i have friendships at the moment with uh lads who are younger than me who are struggling financially and i know how i used to handle this years ago and i know what i would have done mm-hmm. and i'm like because i want to keep this guy as a friend in my life who do I set a boundary with mm. not with him he's not coming to me and going you've got money give it to me I'm setting a boundary with me I'm like this I'm trying to the hand's reaching for the wallet I'm like don't fucking do that's weakness that's cowardice mm. he has to learn like you learned he has to grow like you grew. what do you want him to be an infant let him fucking learn let him grow let him suffer <sighs> And, and uh, it kind of makes me feel sorry for some of the most successful people out there that I know of like, 
you guys don't even know who your fucking real friends are. No. And you never will, unfortunately, because mm. you've gone beyond the point of ever... Like with me, I've had great moments of... of um, huge uh, falls from grace where I've, I've had to like really look around and go, who are my true friends? Mm. And unfortunately, a lot of the time, they're not who you thought they were. Right. But it's a blessing as well because you find out the people who you didn't necessarily look at as the closest, they show up out yeah. of nowhere and they're like, I'm your guy actually. Yeah. And it can be a really, um, a gift and a curse again. But the guys who I know who, who have gone to that mega success part of YouTube, they'll never have those big falls where they lose their money or they become a dirty word and they have to look around and see who their true friend. It'll never happen because they're just beyond, they're bulletproof. Right. And you'll live a whole life never really finding that out. That sounds like hell on earth. Mm. I would hate that. Yeah. I'd hate to be living... Backslap as left, right and centre, mate. So you live in a simulation. There was, I used to do a Russian martial art called Sustema and uh, they wouldn't use mats when you trained. They would let you fall on the concrete and they would say, a mat... What do they say? The mat is your bad friend because it protects you when you fall. The floor is a good friend because it hurts and shows you where you need to break fall better. Uh -huh. And I was like, shit. That's what I need. I need hard feedback from the yeah. environment, from my friends to feel alive and switched on. Being told I'm amazing, uh, it, it gives me this weird, like I'm sinking into a matrix simulation thing. And, and, and out, of, out of those friendship groups in my life, it's the ones, who, it's the lads who were like the real ones who gave you that hard advice. Mm. They're the ones who are thereafter. Yeah, yeah. The ones who aren't sucking up to you, the ones no. who are just just treat you like anyone. They're, they'll be weird. They'll be eccentric. They'll be uh, pricks sometimes. Uh, they, they will. They're difficult dudes yeah. or, or, or girls. But mm. yes, they're thereafter. They didn't give a fuck before, so they don't give a fuck afterwards. Absolutely. So they have to be outside of the simulation. The yeah, the bubble. Matt, so true. This has been a fantastic chat, mate. I really loved it. Really enjoyed it, mate. Honestly, really enjoyed it. you're a Thank good you. dude. And I hope people got something from it. I've, I've tried to be as kind. If they didn't, we did. We definitely Fuck did, lad. <laughs> uh, shout out all the daddies out there. Love you. Uh, and the daddy lovers. Respect. Thanks for keeping us in action. Um, do check out Richard's uh, content. It is fantastic. You've got a YouTube channel, Instagram, all of that. I'll put the links in the description below. I would love to do a part two, mate. Lovely. Yeah, let's do it. And do it. Uh, yeah, enjoyed it. Don't forget to subscribe, like the video if you haven't already, and we'll see you on the next one. Cheers.